the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 94, recorded Friday, June 7th, 2013. Put a ring on it. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Timothy Delane Albright. How are you? I'm your host. Um, this is episode 94, I believe, which means we are closely and quickly moving to episode 100, which means absolutely nothing, just we've been doing this for about two years. The first person on the show this week that we will introduce is someone who was there two years ago as we birthed this massive thing. Mr. George Tucker from World Stage. How are you, sir? I am doing just fine. Good. It was a natural birth, I have to say. It was a natural birth, and we did well. Didn't we do it in the water? Anyhow. Uh, <laughs> next up is Matt Scott, who was just born yesterday. He's still yes. got a baby face. Uh, he's from Omega Audio Video, and he's our token Canadian. How are you, sir? Feeling great being a token Canadian. That's uh, what I live for. Uh, almost our, to- our other token Canadian, who, you know, he's in Wisconsin, so close enough. Farther north than I am. Exactly. Josh Stackhouse. Don't you know? Uh, so Madison, Wisconsin is technically a higher, is it latitude or longitude line? That'd be longitude. Longitude line. Uh, I have no idea. Well, he's in he's in London, Ontario, so. Yeah, I'm way south of you, man. Yeah. So, How do you like the weather up there, so eh? So start, start saying A, eh, Josh. <laughs> and last but not least, the... Uh, the, the matriarch, the wonderful person who keeps us all together. Her name is Don Mead. I don't know if I should say thanks or not. I got to be your mom here. Well, I, Matt's called called you mom the other day, so that, you know. that's true. That's true. Uh, this week we've got oh good lord. Next week is is Infocom, so that's that's what we're going to talk about is Infocom, as well as a couple other stuff. Josh has written some interesting uh, an interesting uh, blog post. We're going to talk about um, fiber versus copper um and uh well let's just say we're going to someone has picked up us an an episode that we did on the uh uh, the control show and they're going to do a webinar about it and so we're just going to help kind of help promote that uh our buddies over commercial integrator but first infocom 2013 starts in roughly one two three four five days five days um hmm I said good grief. Yes, good grief. Um, I'm flying out in two. Uh, this is recorded on Friday. Uh, I fly out on Sunday. You guys come along somewhere around in there. Uh, we're recording uh, a couple different times there, so come by. Uh, W232A, uh, across from Hall E is what they tell me, and I believe them because, well, I'm that naive. And uh, we've got a couple things going on. We have a tweet up. Uh, Mr. Scott and Ms. Dawn. Yes, why don't you guys talk talk for a second about what a tweet up is and and when it is and what we're going to be doing there? Go ahead, Don. Start. Sure. Well, you guys well, are the you guys are the AV tweets veterans. I'm just a newbie here. <laughs> well, AV tweet up is the AV version of a general tweet up. Tweet ups are when people that talk on Twitter and get to know each other in social networks get together and meet in person in real life. Because at the end of the day, all social networks are social. 
And so eventually we all have to meet in person. So we're having an AV tweet up at Infocom on Thursday evening with free food and free drinks, some alcoholic, some not, and lots of free giveaways. And if you have free time, we hope you come and see us. Because there'll be free time. How many times can she get free in there? <laughs> uh, by the way, Matt, they, they will have under 21 drinks for you. Um, Yay! <laughs> He's not really that a virgin young. this, then a virgin that. that yes. Will I get Dr. Pepper, though? That's the key. That's a good question. We'll find out how, hmm. how high class they are. For how much we're paying for... Well, we're not yeah. paying. How much for our how sponsors much? are paying for this sucker? <laughs> we best have at least one can of Dr. Pepper. You would think. Well, you would and think. Yet, yeah. Um, yes, no, Tweet-ups are great. Come hang out with us. We'll all be there. And uh, we'll have some reps from some of our wonderful sponsors, as well as other reps. We're not, you know, discriminatory like that. Yeah. So come hang out with us. We'll be there. And, yeah. And if you're listening to the podcast and aren't necessarily a Twitter person, but you know us from LinkedIn or Facebook or just listening to our podcast, come by and say hi anyway. Because just because it's a tweet up doesn't mean if you're not on Twitter, we're going to throw you out or beat you with sticks or anything. We won't let you in the door, but, you know, you can you can look in. We'll have the you line. Velvet I, thought, I thought we used the Luddites for, uh, for uh, pinatas. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Just to be fair, Tim, that's where all the cool kids are is Twitter. So. Yes. 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 You know it. Um, you know it. Also, on, on Friday, because this is, I don't know, I, I don't know how we ended up recording on Fridays, to be frank about it. Uh, but we did. <laughs> we and I just, I'm too stubborn to stop. Um, on Friday, the June 14th, between 2 and 4 p.m., uh, we're going to have a live recording of AV Week. Uh, I am going to attempt to stream it as well, uh, kind of like what we did last year. But... Everybody here, Josh is not coming, but but Don and Matt and George, uh, uh, Ben, uh, um, good Lord, um, Bradford Ben, I couldn't even think of it a second, and Ben Grimes will, will be coming by, uh, Sam Malik will be by, my buddy Michael Drainer will be by, oh, good Lord, um, Chris, be a lot of Chris Netto, I have a rumor that I'm going to start that uh, Uncle Richie, Rich Fragoso, may actually make an appearance. Uh, at our AV Week next week live in uh, in Orlando, Florida. So check it out if you would, please. So, yeah. Uh, all right, moving on to the actual show floor. A couple things. I want to start out with these pavilions that they've got. And um, the story uh, from AV Interactive uh, t calls them tech zones. And uh, okay, sure, they're tech zones. Um, they've got a tech zone pavilion. pavilion. They've also got this other stuff. Um, we are fortunate enough to be entrusted with the AV uh, or the the um, the Infocom Today uh, podcast. George and I host that, and I did one a couple of weeks ago and had the uh, a gentleman on talking about the Unified Collaborative Conferencing Pavilion. Please do not say that quickly. Uh, <laughs> the Unified Collaborative Conferencing Pavilion, the UCCB. And here's what this is: um, it's video conferencing, right? Only it's every sort of video conferencing. Uh, I talked with a guy the other day about from video. V-I-D-Y-O, and they're going to be there. Um, everything from strictly hardware-based video conferencing to strictly software-based and everything in between. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. Is there something that either, A, that you're looking forward to going to one of these pavilions, or B, maybe a suggestion for next year that, hey, you might, you may have uh, you may have wanted to put this in as a pavilion and, and give, uh, give the guys at Infocom a suggestion for next year? Well, to build on my long-standing pavilion rants um, from last year and the year before, mm -hmm. I'd still love a real broadcast one. 
They had one last year. Well, no, and the year before didn't. that. Don't even start. They had a, 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 no, a camera. No, they had three cameras, maybe six. But they had, There's no. a, don't, a massive don't, difference between three and six cameras. You, no, there's not. It's yes, double. there is. It's double. But it's still small. All right. No. How many people show up for this? It's not NAB. I don't, I don't exactly. want it to be NAB, but I want it to be something okay. just a little bit better. Because there's still a large clientele that would take advantage of it. Well, uh, so- that being said, I will still uh, go to most of these pavilions. Um, the integrated communications one is probably the one I'll hit and spend the most time at, uh, just cause that's fun. Go ahead, Don. I was, I was going to say, to be, to be fair to Matt's point just today, uh, I believe it was commercial integrator came out with a list of five, uh, something like five areas where you could have new revenue streams. If you look into these areas prior to Infocom mm-hmm. and one of the areas that they're talking about, and I believe the exact phrase they use is low hanging fruit for the integrators that know to look for it are what they're calling broadcast light. Exactly. And if this is not CBS, ABC, you know, Fox, this is, this is churches. This is, um, companies that do their own internal broadcast. This is anyone that's doing any kind of streaming and universities and things. And so there's this whole new market of broadcast that's coming in and hitting our industry to the point that, like I said, Commercial Integrator was doing a story on it today. Wow. So if we're going to have a broadcast or broadcast-ish pavilion, let's hope, you know, you don't have to go full-scale NAB, but no, let's have it- more than two or three things in it. Well, and and that's more what I'm getting at. I'm not expecting right. NAB where Panasonic, as a rule, brings minimum thirty something models. But right. I can't, I can't show up and look at six. Like there, there's more than six manufacturers who make products we should actually look at. You should sell three, right. but there there are at least you know there's more than six. So to only have six, that doesn't you know again. It, it's like why are you even trying? Just, just either don't do it or, or do it properly. But there is a large portion of the market that could take advantage of this, especially you know a step above the prosumer level and a step below ENG full broadcast. Okay, so let There's me ask. There's a huge gamut in there. Let me ask this yeah. real quick. Um, would it be better to have not only cameras but maybe small little packages? Because we're talking about broadcast light here, right? So we're exactly. talking about companies like. Um, Roland and their switchers and, and uh, Panasonic and their switchers and, and uh, the new tech products and, and some of theirs and maybe have an actual pavilion because last couple of years what it's been it's been um, almost like an HD camera shootout type situation that's pretty much all it's been but, but let's say that they have an actual pavilion where like uh, the the uh, digital science pavilion where it's, it's this it's almost like several different houses or, or rooms in a house right and mm-hmm. they have different instances where you could do this where you could have several different small, minor um miniature broadcast you know hd broadcast or streaming solutions well and i think that's what it needs to be because my my major issue with this is that we keep talking how everything is going video that's all anybody ever wants to talk about is you know get stuff on you know even from just a promotional side get stuff on youtube get you know blah 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 video 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 and all we seem to think about in this infocom space is uh you know video conferencing that's it. That's as far as they get. So yes, we have great stuff from people like Vadio and everybody else, but that's the space where they seem to only want to play, which is fine. But there again is just that huge market of small, I don't want to say production because that's not the proper term, but essentially small uh, divisions of companies that need a essentially a mini production house. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and there is a ton of products out there. Um, you mentioned some of the good, you know, definitely some of the good ones. You could add Echo Labs and you know even Blackmagic Design in there. Absolutely. That do just this, or not just this, but they do this very, very well. They do the smaller, the small form factor is very, very, yeah, very well. This is, this is not a Grass Valley, you know, five level. No, sub- no, it's not a hundred thousand dollar switcher. Yeah. But you know, again, there is a lot of times where even just in the main auditorium of some of these uh, businesses, you should have this level of gear going in. And people get stuck putting in like a Cisco telepresence camera because that's the only thing they know in our industry. And yeah, it kind of sort of maybe works, but no, no, just do it like a grown up. <laughs> Jeez, wow. <laughs> Sorry. George, is there, a, is there a pavilion or two that maybe you would uh, either you're looking forward to seeing the, the list here or that they maybe should consider uh, doing or, or doing again? Well, I have to say I was listening to the argument that Matt made, and as sometimes happens, I was going to disagree with him, but I, he's sort of brought <laughs> so, me around. Um, See, I oh, sold yeah. you, didn't I? I sold you, George. Well, it did not happen. Come, uh... we, we all know that when he says on Twitter he was yelling at the ra- on, at the podcast, you know, usually probably me when he wasn't on, online. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, usually. So, <laughs> you're saying it wrong. Stop, George, you're wrong! Um, yeah. It's Zed, like not some Zed. of the ideas, because... Some of the things that, like, especially from my industry, the, the event staging, web streaming requires a different set of lighting sometimes than just staging or just production. And that's something that a lot of these places probably could benefit from showing off, as well as some of the cameras. Uh, you know, I know there's a bunch of guys out there who are doing booths that do the web streaming and some of the switching and production gear aside of it. But eh, it might be something that would really interest me. I could see that. Short of that, I want to see the multi-touch guys. I don't know why yet. I just like what they're talking about, and see what see what that brings us. Because multi-touch just excites me. I just like it. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna move on from that. Mm-hmm, you better, Josh. Anything for you? <laughs> well, uh, if I was going, uh, insert generic sad music here. Um, I, I don't have any I, sad music. I'm I'm a pretty upbeat guy. Can we get like the old school like? The violin music. We're like the the guys on the street corner going, please serve some food. Please, uh, may I have another? Yeah. Uh, I'm reading David Copperfield right now. It's really good. Do you want me to send you the link to Delta.com? Oh, jeez. Like, I don't know. Maybe maybe you just don't know. It's Wisconsin. I know it's rough. (laughs) Let the the man talk, please. (laughs) Uh, Quiet you or I'll whop you. Uh, the, the lady in staging pavilion is definitely where I would probably want to go because I'm, uh, you know, little known to me is that I'm very much into green AV. Uh, uh, I think Jennifer Willard and I had a chance to talk a little about that once on Twitter and, uh, you know, I'm interested in seeing where led lighting goes because it's notoriously hard to control and, uh, you know, it uses so much less energy and, and it's, it's looking towards the future. I think. As our devices start to consume less power, uh, we'll see more and more, you know, things like LED lighting becoming popular um, so that we can integrate into smart homes as well as green homes. And that's where I would go if I was going to go down there. Okay. No, and I'm, I'm actually, this is this is going to pain me to say this. I actually agree with Matt. Um, I, I wish that they would have uh, either streaming, I, I don't care what you call it, but but smaller, like, like Don said, uh, we're not talking about multi-million dollar broadcasts. Small form broadcast pavilions, uh, mm. bring them back, develop them, uh, Jason. <laughs> when you, if you listen to this, 
um, you know, and, and partner together with some people, have new tech, talk to Panasonic and get them together. You know, the cameras and the switcher have, you know, Panasonic, talk to Panasonic, you know, switchers and cameras and such and so on and so forth. So yeah, that's, that, that I would, I would definitely be in favor of that for that. Um, a couple early releases, uh, we'll go through these real quick. If anybody's excited, just kind of scream, uh, P E S A PISA PESA, uh, is announcing a 4k switcher. Hello, 4k. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yay, it's getting there, need. kids. Um, I don't know. It, somebody, is it PISA or PESA? PESA. PESA, thank you. Um, and what surprises me is that AMX or Crestron or, or even Extron came out with, not that they're going to be there next week, um, but... Um, Zing. Um, look at that, 15 minutes in. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> a new record. A new record. Uh but th- these guys are the are the first ones to release 4K uh, switching. So um, either they're being really really bullish on it, or they know something, right? Um, so and there's a Stark Electronics ad in the middle of this, so that's kind of cool. Um, well, it's really cool, Tim, because uh, if I had seventeen thousand dollars sitting around to afford the eighty-four inch uh, LG 4K television, I'd at least have a switching device. No, 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 uh uh-uh. There's a $3,000 one. There's a $3,000 4K display. Or $2,000. Oh, I know. I know. I just wanted to make fun of LG for a $17,000 TV. Well, no. Sony has a $30,000 one. And you're missing Samsung's 20. Sony. I know. Although I will tell you guys, if you have not seen the XBR series, the XBR series is actually affordable and looks amazing. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um, next up, Fiberplex, Fiberplex introduces the Swiss Army knife of transport. This is actually the, the reason I – this is a press release, and I notoriously hate press releases. But the reason I bring, bring it up um, is George's favorite thing about standards. George, what's your favorite thing about standards? That there are none. Mm-hmm. In general. In general. And, Being uh, too many, that means there are none. Yeah. <laughs> this thing is has an interesting. I'll put the I'll put the link up on the on the show notes. Uh, it okay. So it's it, it's taking an interesting swing at things, which, like George says, there's so many. So it might as well be the answer. Might as well be zero. <sighs> George, are we getting? Where are we at when it comes to this? I mean, is this is it time for something like this, or are they you know tilting at windmills here? I don't know if they're necessarily tilting at windmills because there's always a need for something that can do this sort of thing, which is handle almost anything to anything, right? Mm -hmm. So in a world where you need to go to, well, let's look at your example. You work in education. As technology evolves, they don't get rid of the old stuff, right? Yeah. So you need something that can handle both the very high level and the displays or endpoints that can't handle that. So there is something there. How long it needs to last, I'm not clear, but I know that it, it, it's something that I, we use all the time. Not this particular product, but we have various and sundry stuff that brings it to fiber or back to fiber from something. So, so this is a Band-Aid? It's a, it's a stopgap? I, I don't know if I'd call it a Band-Aid yet. It's too early on to really tell you if it's a Band-Aid or not. Okay. But it's, it's a step forward into any progression into a new format or a higher technology requires that bridge, and this bridge... I think is a pretty good idea. Whether or not we're going to need it for five years or ten years is, is the question. Interesting. All right, uh, Don, is this something that that's needed right now? I mean, it, like like George says, it's a, you know, it's trying to get one from one format to another. I, I mean, you always need something that that can get you 
between formats, especially when the formats are changing and adding. I mean, like like George says, you know, we're we're in flux right now. Um, to George's point, the fact that it may be a band-aid, whether it's short or long term, that doesn't mean it's committed in the meantime. And, and that at the end of the day, I mean, we're all business people, you know, and uh, if, if they can solve a problem, even if it's a short term problem, they're going to be successful. They may not be successful for, you know, the next 50 years, but they will be very successful in their time and hopefully be forward thinking enough to come up with the next Band-Aid or something in the new, you know, where we're going. So I, there's nothing wrong with being a Band-Aid solution, even if it's short term, as long as you keep looking forward and you take advantage of your success while you've got it, yeah. in my view. Well, that's that, and that's that's probably pretty pretty good advice. I mean, I'm, the re- only reason I I also mention it up is George, like George says, I work I work in education, and we're still buying VCRs. So if you know mm-hmm. where I can get some, please let me know. Uh, but you, you know, I, I look at this, and it's it's not silly because there are some people who don't have the budget for a full on AMX system or a full on Crestron system where you can take everything into one chassis and spit out you know DM cable or HD base T. Uh, so I so I get I kind of get that. Um, so uh, hey Tim. Yes. Well, while we're talking about fiberplex, uh, I want to hijack the show for just a second. But uh, okay. Uh, well, uh, I think I'm going to pull off an AV week first here. Um, but uh, you know, my girlfriend uh, actually happens to work for um, a company that supports fiber uh, or fiberplex, and uh, I wanted to take an opportunity today and ask her live in front of the entire internet audience um nicole i know you listen to every show that i'm on uh i love you more than anyone in the world and my life really started when i met you and i really came alive and you make me feel more wanted than any woman ever has before and uh will you marry me Oh, she's not listening, guys. It's okay, just, it's show's like, over. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. The uh, audience is going to be sitting there wondering, wow. well, what is she saying? What is she saying? Wow. I know, and I'm such a girl. I'm sitting here, like, tearing up. Like, oh, I'm tearing up. Are yes. you kidding me? <laughs> this no. is freaking awesome. Say yes. So, well, uh, I guess everyone's going to have to stay tuned to Twitter and see what she says, but I'll let you guys know. Somebody should hire you for marketing, by the way, because that's a great yeah, that's thing. Impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Stackhouse AV. At I was going to say, yeah. What, what's your Twitter <laughs> handle? Stackhouse AV. There we go. Let us know what she says, and hopefully it won't be like the kiss cam I saw the other day. So, you know, where she said no. So, all right. <laughs> I'm sure she'll it, say man. yes. Oh, don't hate posh it. Congratulations, guys. Yes, congratulations. That's awesome. My only advice, elope. You don't want to spend the money on a wedding. Amen, and have a brother. party. Yeah, elope and have a party. I'm already starting to play my, my daughter every every eloping movie <laughs> <laughs> I can get my hands on. See, isn't it romantic? They just ran away and called everybody. Just and think said, how, hey. much, how much more AV you can buy without having the big wedding. It'll work. That's not a good selling point for the wife, just, you know. As, as long as She's you don't fiber. She's a tech head. Hey, I was going to say, if you, if you marry an AV girl, and I know of what I'm speaking, ask yes. Mr. AV Dawn, you can have a fantastic wedding with a fantastic reception and a fantastic party afterwards and still do it on a budget so you can buy more AV gear. Trust me. If you don't believe me, look at my wedding pictures and come to my house and check out our gear. So. Okay. <laughs> wow. 
That is a first. Just invite the internet to your house. She did. (laughs) That's it. That is going to be a house party. Matt, (laughs) nobody listens to this. I mean, it's just just Nicole. I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, That's true. So, can I take this thing on a plane? What's that? The fiberplex. Sure. Well, Since no, actually, you can't. You can't knife? take. I'm guessing no. Yeah, you can't take. Uh, you can't take uh, the 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 the, uh, the knives still. <sighs> yeah. All right. Um, that was awesome. Uh, you are still listening to AV Week, hopefully. And if you're Nicole, congratulations. Um, and uh, so yeah, that gentleman there that just proposed, his name is Josh Stackhouse. Miss AV Dawn, Dawn Mead is here. Matt Scott and George Tucker from Yonkers, New York. Um, I don't have his address either. Sorry, kids. So. Um, <laughs> Let's go where around. Would like, where would you like that posted? Facebook, Google Plus, just whatever. Let me his, know. What his address? Yeah, you have it. I can get it. Oh, okay. Um, you want, yeah, yeah, let's just do this. <laughs> um, what are we? What are we looking for for uh, for for Infocom this year? Uh, Don, we'll we'll do ladies first for this one. What are you looking forward to? Uh, Technology wise, class wise, something wise. What are you looking forward to in in, in Infocom this year? I don't know if it's looking forward to so much as anticipating eagerly and nauseously, if that makes sense. Uh, a little bit nervous, but I am teaching my first class ever for Infocom Yay! on Wednesday morning. So if anybody's coming to Infocom and is free Wednesday morning and wants to take a class on uh, marketing and social media for the small systems integrator, I will be teaching. I'm sure the good folks at registration would be happy to take your credit card or check or money and sign you up for my class. And um, I, I, I've got a few cool things planned for the class. So I'm really looking forward to that, even if I am getting more nervous as we get closer. Um, other than that, I mean, I, uh, come on by. The worst they could do is turn you away at the door. You know, <laughs> that worst things could happen. I'll bring my press credentials. <laughs> Just remember, think of everybody as naked. <laughs> that won't help me. Okay. Because <laughs> I'll just start laughing. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the technology managers forum. I don't want to think of all those boys and girls naked. So Right. <laughs> but uh, for the show itself, I mean, the biggest thing I look forward to at Infocom every year, and it's no different this year, is just the ability and the chance to see everybody in person. Um, you know, the technology, I mean, if I don't go to Infocom, eventually the people that we sell will come by my office and bring their new shiny for me to look at, you know, and, and walking around the, the floor, you know, if I, if I don't get free pens from a booth or whatever, I can get a pen at Staples, you know, but at the end of the day, Infocom is really about the relationships as far as I'm concerned. So it's a chance to see all of my AV Nation peeps in person, to see all of my AV tweeps in person, my wave people, my Infocom committee people, just everybody that I talk to, email, uh, Skype, tweet, whatever, all year long, we finally get a chance to like all hang out. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing that excites me most about Infocom every year. Uh, Mr. Tucker, what are you looking forward to, uh, whether it's uh, Dawn's class or um, something else? Yeah, Dawn's class sounds actually very cool because she um, did a podcast for the, the newly revised AV Social about some of this stuff. And it's if it's only touching on what she's going to do in the class, it's going to sound really cool. Coming from the industry, though, that I'm coming from, I am really looking at some staging gear this year. Uh, there's a lot coming out in the media server world. And for those that don't know media servers, these are these basically what you think media servers are in the integration world, except they do so much more with uh, mapping and geometry uh, correction and things like this for projecting onto weird shapes and buildings and that kind of stuff. Uh, Pandora's coming out with something new. Watch out. I'm also looking at wireless solutions because as the white 
space and the spectrum changes that are coming down the pipe in the next couple of years, a lot of manufacturers are going to be showing stuff about antenna distribution, new spectrum analysis, new gear that will help with the white space proposed conflicts. So I'm really eager to see that stuff. Okay. Uh, Matt Scott. Yes, sir. What are you, what are you looking forward to? <laughs> well, Jeez. because I live in Canada, uh, we very rarely get those lovely reps that we sell to show up to our office and show us anything beyond a brochure. So I always love going to the shows because we actually get hands-on with everything. Yeah. Uh, if I lived in Toronto, it might be a little different, or if I lived in Vancouver, but as a rule, the manufacturers seem to forget that there's a whole other part of the country between those two cities. Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm a little cheeky today. Uh, yeah. He's not. No, this is normal. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that I am really looking forward to is I've seen a couple press releases, and I do realize they are press releases, and they're usually heavily laden with vaporware. Uh, but I've seen a couple of things for boardroom applications with, uh, you know, kind of building off like the Barco click share mm, multicasting okay. yeah. uh, to multiple screens uh, presentation type tools. I've seen quite a few come across my desk. I've got a nice long list uh, of places and booths that I plan to visit um, to see some of these things because, again, in the in the realms in which I work, that's, that's something that's really, really effective. Uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh, the Probably the other biggest thing I'm looking forward to is, of course, always seeing all of our friendly friends and faces and hopefully meeting some new ones and meeting some people in real life. Because, uh, again, I live in Canada. I'm not near any of you. Uh, so that's that's pretty much the, the big highlights. And, of, of course, I'm, I'm working at the show a little bit, so uh, I'll be covering it and, and doing that. So if you do see something cool that I should see, let me know. Yeah, tweet him. Uh, at, yeah, at, pretty at, easy to find. At Matt Scott's hair. So is... Yeah, Matt Scott's hair. <laughs> at Matt D. Scott. <laughs> at Omega Audio Video. At The Matt and Brad Show. If you're feeling oh, yeah. fancy. Why, why is it the Matt and Brad show and not the Brad and Matt show? It's both, actually. Good. We we have this ongoing. See, uh, my I name is Matt. the Madford Brat show. Yeah, I, I actually like that, that one the best. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, Bradford and myself both have two first names. And we're continually referred to uh, by other people as a rule by our incorrect names. Um, hint, if you want to lose me in a conversation start referring to me as Scott the whole day, especially when you know me. I tune out instantly. doesn't matter how important it is. Um, note to lawyers. Nice. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so we kind of were playing off that in our, our, dual, our dual show thought process. I don't know. It's fun. We, like, we, we laugh about it, and that's really all that matters. Real, real quickly, a, a quick story about Bradford. I had him on uh, with Brad Grimes. Uh, no, a year or so ago, and uh, it was the first time I had had them on together, and I think it was the last time because I did this. Brad, but, Brad. No, no, I, I, I said Bradford Grimes uh, at one point. So, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Well, I, I, I was hoping for the doctor, 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 doctor. <laughs> yeah, doctor, Bradford, doctor. Bradford, Bradford, Bradford. <laughs> well, I, I got a call from a, a an old friend trying to sell me some gear uh, or to carry a line type deal. Uh, about a week ago and I hadn't talked to him in a couple of years and you know like he stayed at my house like we're that we not that we're that close anymore but we have been that close in the past and about 10 minutes into his spiel the last 10 minutes of it 
it was all, hey, Scott, we really should look at doing this. This will be great for blah, 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 blah. And at the end, I was like, okay, you realize that you completely butchered my name at the end. Like I understand it if you don't know me, but we're supposed to be friends. So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, you lose me pretty quick. Note to all my friends. Note to all your friends. You. All right. Uh, Josh, it, you're not going this year, but what are you, I don't know, looking forward to as you or, or to coming out of Infocom? How about that? Hold on. Who's um, coming out at Infocom? Josh. Oh, okay. <laughs> Stop it. He just proposed to Nicole. Come yes. On. Well, Nicole. Yes. You don't, and I'm sure everyone Stop listening it. now. Let him, let him talk. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Am I gonna have to bring a taser next week? Is that what is that what we're talking about here? I no, I just the past shows with him on it. No, no, Tim. I just need a squirt gun, like when you're training cats. Oh, nice. Not very well done. It, it's the hair, isn't it? Um, all right, Josh, go ahead. What are you looking forward to come out of Infocom or you know training or whatever? Well, uh, you know, I have never been, so I can't draw from experience. Um, but I was looking at the, like the the lineup of what's being offered in terms of training and exhibits and stuff. And I'm actually kind of uh, shocked that there's nothing there in terms of like the human element. There's not a lot there uh, in regards to uh, leadership or, you know, communication between your installers and the designers and stuff like that. So I'm kind of uh, hoping that maybe that, you know, something happens in future Infocoms to, to address that. Well, and the one thing, I, I, oddly enough, we I had talked with somebody from Infocom um, last week or the week before last about just, you know, leadership training and stuff like that, and they reminded me of something um, which I, I felt kind of foolish for. They have something like that. It's brand new for them this year. It is the AV Executive Conference, and I'll put a link to it up on the on the show notes. Um, but I was talking to them about, you know, how to, to manage your people and stuff like that. Infocom is the, the show. The education there is primarily geared toward gear and primarily geared toward technical and, and geared towards that sort of thing because you've got not only uh, manufacturing people, obviously, but these are the guys, those are the guys that show. But the, the, the people that come to the exhibit are guys like integrators and guys like me. Um, uh, technology managers who live and breathe and actually do this on a daily basis. So not that they don't need human elements, but they also need to know the latest about, you know, dealing with HD and dealing with, you know, um, content protection and dealing with fiber and stuff like that. So that's, that, that was, that was how it was put to me. And it actually kind of, kind of made sense. So, um, but yeah, we'll put a link up on the, on the website about the executive conference, which actually deals with exactly what you're talking about, uh, Josh. Can I jump in on that though? Certainly. Uh, my my issue with eh, I shouldn't say issue. The hard thing I see with that though is that for someone like myself, I'm not going to two shows. I'm a smaller shop, mm -hmm. so yeah, I do need you know and do enjoy taking some technical training. But for me, I'd rather, as a rule, get technical training, if we can call it that, on the floor, from talking with. Uh, other integrators, but mainly manufacturers and stuff, and then get some actual business training if that's, you know, that realm, uh, you know, from them directly. Hmm. You understand? Yeah. Opposed to, because not all of us are AVSPLs where they're sending, you know, 40 techs 
And then the, the head management guys can go to the other conference. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're a smaller shop. We're not going to do that. Hence, hence again, you know, circling back to my video thing, I am totally not, you know, I, I'm not going to NAB anymore because I'm going to this show because we're doing more in this realm. Hence why if you can bring it together, that's great. It, you know, kills more birds with one stone. Um, Cedia actually does a reasonably, reasonably uh, decent job at this. They have a wide amount of technical training and then some fairly decent, you know, general business soft people training. Yeah. And it's it's a fairly, as a rule, it's a fairly decent mix. Um, and, and again, I I'd totally agree with Josh. This is one of those things that is dramatically missing. I, I understand they have the reasonings behind it, but you know, again, that's that's one of the reasons why I don't take a lot of training at Infocom. Other than and, and to be fair, sure. And to to be fair here, Tim, I mean, I think the one of the differences might be because of who Infocom versus Cedia addresses, whereas Infocom addresses the commercial market and and Cedia is uh, largely residential. You know, mm-hmm. it's much more of a critical skill set uh, to know how to interact with people and treat things uh, at a more human level when you're in the, the residential area. No, that, that, and that makes sense too. You know, well, uh, I've ne- and, go ahead, Don. I was going to say, but you know, Infocom is very tech and gear class heavy because again by the nature of what we do but they do offer some softer skill things that you know they have their future view and 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 you're arguably my class and there's a management track of some of the classes it's not going to be you know 50 percent of the classes or anything um but they also have been very good over the past year year and a half of offering more business and soft skill related webinars in the past if you took an infocom webinar it was strictly you know, tech and gear things or how to, how to do this, you know, technical skill or that new standard. And now they've been offering, uh, they have people from NYU and some different business professors coming in and doing classes available that you can watch anytime, uh, you know, and stream anytime webinar wise, in addition to the executive conference that some may or may not be able to go to. And, and there's the NSCA BLC, which people again, may or may not be willing to go a separate trip for. But I, I think, there is ample opportunity out there to get some of this stuff. It, it's just not going to ever replace the gear because of who we are. You know, we send our engineers to Infocom to get some of this gear training all in one spot, you know. I, I would say, having met a whole lot of engineers, they probably could deal with some people's Matthew. <laughs> not Sorry, argue with his name is Matt Scott. I'm not going to argue that. Yeah, Omega right. Audio Video, London, <laughs> Ontario, Canada. Tim at. <laughs> yeah, what's my email address, Matt Scott? All right, uh, moving on. <laughs> From CE Pro, and actually, this story broke on on AV Week like a month ago. Um, but I, we didn't make a big deal about it. Um, we had Nick Scott on, uh, who is uh, a marketing person at uh, at at Crestron. And he made a veiled reference and then said it outright where Crestron is doing, has a integration with Samsung smart TVs. So uh, now I expected them to like release it next week, not like today. So George, is this, is this where, where AMX and Crestron and, and let's, you know, uh, let's be fair, you know, Aurora and other, you know, um, control four and other control companies. Is this, is, is this where they need to start going? Is you know writing modules for uh, for the different smart TVs? 
I think it does have uh, some significance, absolutely. Uh, just like the second screen, quote-unquote, revolution with tablets and the need to be a presence there. If you're going to enter the midstream mass market, this is where they're going to want it. There are indeed uh, limitations, but this is what makes a smart TV a smart TV, right? It's not Facebook or Twitter, which nobody really wants to use on a TV. It is the control of your house, the lights, the security system, the, sh the, the shades and drapes. You don't want to have to have a separate touch panel for that. You want to be able to just look at it and do it. And yeah, this brings it into gestures and, and all that other silly nonsense, semi four training. But <laughs> it, it does Step have a real viable, <laughs> real viable presence here that you're going to see, I think, in the next two to five years, more of, and forgive the quote, AMX inside, Control 4 inside. I mean, Control 4 was already talking about stuff like this for a while. Most of them have been doing their own version and overlaying it onto the screen. This is built into it, which I think is a very nifty entry level. Here's the screen. Here's a controller. Maybe you start seeing packages with, say, with, with Crestron, the Prodigy system with a smart TV. Hmm? Install your own. Put it in. Done. I mean, I don't know. But that's, there's a real viability there, no? It, there is. And, and, Don, this is not the first time that Crestron has done this with manufacturers. They went... Uh, well, first they went to the, the folks that make the DLP chip, uh, Texas Instruments, and they started putting uh, the ability to put Crest, put your projector immediately on what Crestron calls RoomView, which is their asset management software. And like George mentioned, the AMX inside, that they started having Crestron inside. And if you look on the back of a lot of projectors now, you'll you'll see this little E, this Crestron-y E, the letter E, uh, which means you can slap this thing up and control it with, with RoomView. Uh, is that kind of what we're talking about here with, you know, just kind of baking in into all these different smart TVs? Uh, it appears that that's where we're going, although if they were really, really smart and, and not not Crestron or AMX here, but like Samsung and those guys, they would make these relationships so that you could, you know, download their apps like an app store. You know, you have, you have your Kindle app store, your I, iTunes app store, you know, have your smart TV app store and you can download your AMX or your Crestron or your whoever apps that, that the functionality is there um, because in, in that way you wouldn't be alienating some of your customers. I mean, that's, that's the thing when you pick one standard, you run the risk of alienating, you know, some people have AMX tattooed on their derriere. They're not going to want a Crestron app on their TV or they're not going to use it if it's there, you know, it's irrelevant to them. So, you know, vice versa, of course. So um, it, it's a cool movement. I think it's a cool thing that they're doing and I can see that that's where, at least some of the market's going to go. I could see that working, you know, in ho even hotel and hospitality environments where they're mm. starting to put in smart TVs and things, and they're also embracing the control systems. Um, but, uh, you know, if they're smart, they would go more, like, brand agnostic so that it could be used a little wider functionality. But I think it's very cool. Yeah. Well, um, let me ask a question there. How far away do you think that is? I mean, you've got Google Play. You've got the app stores for other stuff. How far away are they from this micro ecosystem from having that? I mean, they don't. you don't want to open up an app store with six apps. But right. as you build, I, I don't know how far away we are from that. Well, and, and you don't even have to necessarily even build your own smart TV app, sto app store. I mean, if they did, that would be fine. But if, if you make your smart TV compatible with the iOS apps or you make it compatible with some of your Android-based apps, then you can go to Google Play or you can go to the iTunes Store and get the app for whatever control system you wanted. And it would be just, I mean, that 
you know, once again, we're at the, the consumer driving innovation where in the old days it used to be commercial driving innovation. Consumers nowadays, we're used to downloading apps. I know five-year-olds that can download apps to the phone and, or to the tablet and play games and things. So mm. when people are so accustomed to that, when they get their smart TV that they're spending all this money on, they're just going to want to download the app. You know, I mean, they know how to do that. My mom is in her 70s, and she, I think, knows how to download apps. You know, <laughs> so it, it, it's something that, that they need to look at the, what people are doing and do that. And then I think they'll find great success with it. Yeah. Uh, I have one more question, though. Shoot. Do you mind? No. So, yeah, Matt. Yes, sir. You've had strong opinions on the mass market items and things like that when we talk about it. What do you Noticed. think of this? I know people will be shocked. I, I, know, I know. I know. But knowing I, you as a friend, I've seen this. I, I think this is good. I do. It, that is shocking to me, actually. Well, I don't think it'll be effective, but I think it's good. I think it's moving in the right direction for what we want to see down the road. They're trying to pull, you know, obviously, this is, to be perfectly honest, this is exactly what uh, Prodigy was sold to me as a dealer on, this same type of integration mm. when Prodigy first came out. Isn't that how it, Control 4 presented themselves in many ways? Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Yeah, it's pretty much the yeah. same thing. Um, okay. So again, it, it's not a. I don't. I don't want to say it's a, a complete game changer or a huge game changer, but it, it is in the fact that this is the first time that a major, as far as I'm concerned, that a major automation company has went straight to the TV. We've seen them do it to like I, Control Four last year came out with their Sony branded or not Sony branded, but built into Sony uh, receivers, I believe it was. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of that, but we haven't seen it so much on the TV side. Uh, so, you know, again, I, I like the concept. I don't think it'll be necessarily very effective just because, again, how much work is going to go into making this actually function? If it's if it's something where they can literally, you know, download the app or, or however that works, you know, they pull up the app from the remote and then add in a couple of figures or, you know, information, whatever, and it connects to your existing restaurant system and gives you all that control right off the bat. Awesome. But if it's something where the integrator's got to show up and spend another, you know, 10 hours making it work and then coming back to fix all the bugs that didn't work the first time. And then, you know, that process just continues to repeat. I, I, I don't know how effective that'll be. Plus, I don't know the market that this exactly is going to shoot for, unless again they're bun bundling it with, you know, for example, a prodigy type system. And yeah, that was going to be my next question to you, actually, because uh, okay. this sure. is something I've, I've always thought. Which is like that. Do you see that as an integrator if they provided a Samsung TV with a prodigy uh, four or two light switches that they could control? Would that be? And then everything else would have to be bought through a dealer. Do you think people would move on that? Do you think there's a percentage that would be worth the ROI of it? Or do you think that's just an enticement I, towards mass market and selling in retail? I think it's an enticement to mass market. It's a way to sell a new panel. Mm. I don't, you know, again, I'm not saying that it's it's not going to get there. But how it, for your average Crestron company or customer, I see this working. But for people who don't know Crestron, I don't see them or an integrator really for that matter being all excited 
unless they're huge Crestron dealers, being all excited about a TV that they can sell at a premium price point, mm. which they might be excited about that. Uh, but if you can find someone who wants to buy a TV at a premium price point, there you go, and then sell them a couple, you know, you know, a little remote and some dimmers, and then still have to come in and program all the other gear, that that's the side that I, I think is missing. If it's so one it's of those reverse, things really. like, yeah, if it's one of those things yeah. like where they, um, you know, just uh, went the model of the uh, wireless routers where they have the WPS, you know, go to your computer, hit WPS, go to the thing, hit the button, and it connects and it works. You don't have to remember those big web PS, you know, PS, uh, all those other keys. Mm-hmm. Um, great. But if it's one of those things where, like, you know, I, I just – I still don't completely get where or how they expect this to work. I don't know if it's a mo- pro- uh, if it's a product for me, for me to sell, or if it's a product for Best Buy to sell. Mm. And see, Granted, I, if, I think it's a product for Best Buy to sell. I think, I think, it I think is that's too. where they're headed. And my plus for that is, as soon as Best Buy starts to sell it, and the customers get it, and then they get frustrated with it, then I get to go in and clean it all <laughs> up, and hopefully, you know, make some money on it. The downside well, of that, my, yeah. The down, the big downside of that. And we see this all the time, um, you know, especially in the resi side, you have so many people that think they can do this. They think they can do what we do because they know what a speaker is or they can cut a circular hole in the ceiling. But <laughs> you get a client who goes that route and saves them a ton of money, but nothing works. Then they get mad at the industry in general. You know, it, it's not like when you have a plumber come in and the plumber sucks you just go get another plumber. <laughs> For some reason with tech, when you get an AV installer who's not very good or a product that doesn't work, it doesn't have to be, you know, both together or, you know, it can, it can just be a product that doesn't work. You get very frustrated or the, the clients seem to get very, very frustrated at the industry. And they think we're all a bunch of guys that don't know what we're doing. So they don't ever want to buy automation again. So what happens if they put this on the Best Buy shelves and you get the guy who has a lot of money in his pocket, not maybe too smart upstairs, who comes in, buys his product, takes it home, goes, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. I got this Crestron automation system. It's going to be amazing. Pulls it out of the box, can't get it to work, calls Geek Squad out. They can't fix it or can't make it happen for whatever reason. And he sits there and goes, oh my gosh, I got a ton of money. I'd love to give it to the AV integrator, but I bought this piece of crap at Best Buy. It doesn't work. I'm not going to hire him for anything. And that's where it'll go. Well, Matt, I, I guess I, I kind of been sitting back and listening here because I don't have a lot of commercial industry experience. I'm largely residential. Woohoo, and, Resi. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, keep in mind, I, of course, I'm all school trained. I don't have any field experience yet, but I do Uh-oh. work for. I'm just kidding. Uh-oh. I'm just he did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So. Excellent. There it is. <laughs> there it is. On TV. Hey, Miss Don, I happen to have a two-year <laughs> associate's degree in AV. So there, man. Right on. <laughs> Yeah, she has a double master's. Checkmate. And, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Sorry, no, I just, I work, what I do is my day-to-day existence is television. That's, I, I work for uh, a company that that's what they do. And uh, I, I see this on a day-to-day basis, but, you know, I already have a hard enough time trying to just explain how a smart television works to people who come in and who are curious about just getting a new TV. And, uh so I'm kind of curious as to what, you know, who is there really, who are they targeting 
with this move because I don't see this as being something that the average consumer is going to want. So I don't see it going the Best Buy route. Um, I, I see it as something that's an option for commercial integration only. I just don't think that most people would want this in their home. Well, and I don't, I don't either. But there is that big sect of the market that loves, loves to be on the cutting edge or think they're on the cutting edge. And, you know, there are a lot of times the guys that get it and get stuck with products that don't really work too well. Um, and again, not always get jaded towards the industry, but they look at it and go, oh, well, great, this doesn't really work. Yeah. So, yeah, I, again, I don't know who this is going to. I'm not saying it's going to Best Buy directly. I don't know if Best Buy will be here in 10 years. You know, it just... <laughs> or five. Well, exactly. Like or it, two. This whole... And I think that's the part that I find really interesting is if they had brought it so it was like a one-touch, you know, plug in all your other Samsung devices, we'd be great. Um, it's it's the same as, you know, what uh, Xbox is trying to do with the One, where they're trying to take over the living room. And I don't – for one, I, I don't see that happening in Canada at all. Uh, whether it will happen in the States, I, I don't know. But it will be really interesting to see <laughs> what happens. Although, to be fair, I think some of us are misreading this a little bit. I, I don't see it as, as necessarily going to be driving Crestron sales or when you buy this TV. I mean, you're not getting a Crestron system that then you're then expected to plug and play. I mean, this is really just an app convenience for people that already have Crestron systems that they can then use their smart TV as their display device, similar to how they're using iPads or, or smartphones now. Um, now, that may down the road drive some sales of Crestron, and, you know, if the other control manufacturers have similar apps and similar relationships with the smart TV manufacturers, it might drive sales of them, but at the end of the day, I mean, you're still going to have to have somebody that has a control system that either they're smart enough and trained enough and put in themselves properly or ha already had an integrator do properly, and we're, we're just looking at changing the input or or device that we're using to to control it or Don like you said you know it, it's if they don't have it it might be a marketing tool for Crestron to say you know here's here's this cool app you know what does it do and then they they Google Crestron and they start they start from there so right and and, and most of the Crestron stuff I mean at the moment anyway they nowhere say you know we're just plug and play come pick us no, up at Best Buy I mean not. yeah they're they're pretty clear you you need you know a, a, what are all those initials that you can put after your name Tim that you're taking the class you know you need D -M -C -E, all that stuff DMCE and I'll have one before your husband just for the well, record and, and that's kind of what I'm getting <laughs> exactly. at though is what exactly are they where are they going to because is this going to work on older systems or are they kind of trying to almost push like we loved when the Apple TV came out because we got to sell so many more new actual flat screens because they didn't have enough inputs for the $109 in Canada uh, Apple TV that all these clients went out and bought because they thought it was cool, got it home and went, oh, crap, I can't plug it into anything. Right. It was great. So that's my thing. If this is something that's going to run on all the new frameworks, that's great. How many systems are out in the field? I would have to assume that the majority of them are Series 1, Series 2 processors. They're not the three cores. No, but Series 2, I mean, as long as you've got a, an IP connection to it, man. Right, you, but is this going to control it? Well, sure, again, it's, we don't it's know IP. that. I mean, I don't, I don't, here's the thing, I, I, I don't know that. I'm making an assumption here, right? Um, yeah, but yeah, it's a pretty logical we're, we're assumption. Making, it's a yes, pretty logical assumption. Well, yeah. If you've got 
uh, the old Ethernet card in the Series 2, you know, and, and you can either get somebody or it's already IP controllable, you should be fine. You should be, yeah. So again, it, it does come down to what what market are they pushing it towards and what's their end game? Yeah. I think the end game opens up the most possibilities for them. See, on the on the on the residential side of things though, I can just so much easier see some company like Control Four deciding to put its own representatives in stores like Best Buy, like Don't Sony does. Well, no, I really do. I mean, Control Four is what I have automation experience. That's what I was trained in when I went to school, and the, uh, you know, I can I can see something like Control Four becoming a a product like an Apple TV in a store like Best Buy, but the way I would see them doing it would be to have their own representatives, like a Sony representative mm-hmm. inside of a store or an Apple representative inside of a store, and that, you know, Best Buy would be the retailer so people see it, but then you have your your Control 4 expert. I don't see on the residential side, you know, AMX and Crestron being able to tap into that market. So I just, I just think this is definitely a commercial thing. All right, guys, uh, real quickly moving on. Um, uh, Mr. Stackhouse has written a very interesting piece because uh, I say it's interesting. It's called Three Things I Learned About AV from Watching Restaurant Stakeout. And the reason I say it's interesting is that's actually a pretty cool show. Um, uh, Mr. Stackhouse, we'll, we'll give you the, the old runaround here. What exactly did you learn and, and why did you use Restaurant Steakhouse as your, uh, or Stakeout as your, as your focal point there? Well, uh, you know, as you heard me say earlier when we're talking about Infocom, leadership is really important to me, and uh, so are people skills. And uh, I just, I very strongly have a belief in leadership from the ground up. And uh, and so one of the things that I like to see uh, to be start being talked about in our industry would be a discussion about taking care of people. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are common to all businesses, not just the AED world, but... You know, you have things like when I came from an IT background, I would religiously have my bosses and my clients and people put demands on me, not really knowing what my job was like. And so I'd have, you know, one set of expectations and then another set of expectations that that didn't match from side to side. And so I was just watching restaurants stake out. And all of a sudden I realized, like, wait a second, these are the things that happen in the tech world uh, and decided to make them relatable. Um by using the restaurant stakeout as, you know, the, the medium. And so you get to things like, you know, uh, flank steak was the big one that I really, that's what caught my attention. I was watching an episode where uh, the guy was an owner of a, of a Latin cuisine restaurant, and one of his waiters was serving uh, a Tarasco steak to a customer, and that's a piece of flank steak. But flank steak is unique in that it's very leathery and chewy if you overcook it. And so this waiter didn't tell the guy when he ordered uh, the guy who was one of the undercover agents, hey, you've got to, you know, cook this a certain way. Otherwise, it won't taste good for you, sir. And that got me to thinking, like, you know, that's our role as AV integrators, because what we do is a luxury service, whether it's commercial or residential. People don't really need AV most of the most of the time, except for like surveillance cameras and fire alarms, Um, you know, so. It's, and it's just, it all came together for me just kind of by thinking about how we should uh, be more hospitality driven, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm kind of humbled that I'm even making it to the show. So <laughs> you're, you're, you're on the perfect point, though. Yeah. Because I've, I've, for lack of a better term, I've preached about this forever. 
And I actually got into a discussion uh, Wednesday night with a client about it, uh, about how, you know, part of part of my job is to guide you properly. Yes, the customer's always right until they're wrong. And, you know, it is one of those things where, you know, just like with the flank steak, that company or, or that restaurant will look better if they bring out a steak that the customer can actually eat and chew because they guided him in and taught him about the food. There's nothing worse than going into a restaurant where you don't know, you know, either what you're eating or how you're eating it. And just assuming that you know better than the people that work there. When you go into a restaurant and you listen to the waiter's advice, usually you have a better meal. Yeah. Same thing when it comes to AV systems. We've gone into places where the client has told me exactly what they want. And I've told them exactly how I won't do it. <laughs> and they look and, you know, I'm an owner, right? So my view is usually a little bit different than everybody else. And I would smack most of my guys if they said anything the way that I usually will say it sometimes to a client. <laughs> but when I started, I was much more lax in this. I would let the client be wrong and do it because that's what they wanted. And then in the end, they were always upset because something didn't work. And I knew it wasn't going to work, but I was trying to respect them as the, as the customer and, you know, follow the adage of the customer's always right. Now that I've been doing this for 12 years, I'm to the point where I've realized that, Hey, when you walk into that situation, you don't have to be rude. Uh, Sometimes you do, but most times you don't have to be rude. But part of what we're doing is we're educating the clients because the clients don't know. Even the ones that think they know, as a rule, they still don't know. So you have to go about, educate them, train them, show them what you're doing and why, and why you're using that piece of gear that isn't what they wanted, but it actually does what they needed to do. Well, yeah, and you know, and the heart of where I was coming from with this was that you know, if you go to a restaurant, a restaurant owner knows that you're serving love on a plate. You know, people go to eat because we have to, but it's also mm-hmm. fun to do. And, you know, you, you get that that's all about the experience. I just don't think that the AV industry at large yet has understood that a good 70 to 80 percent of what we do and sell is not stuff that people have to have. And so you can't just treat it like any other piece of technology. It's all about the experience. It's all about the guest experience in a restaurant. It's all about the user experience um, for us, because we what we do is a luxury business, really, more than anything else. And. Uh, we just have to learn to accommodate special requests and focus on that and blow our customers away so they feel obligated to come back to us. It's not just all about the gear. It's about how we treat the people that we're working with. Yeah, right. absolutely. That's, that's absolutely. And, and the thing is, is, as an industry, this is something that, that the company I work for, I'm pretty fortunate, is willing to do, but a lot of companies aren't, is we have to understand that we're the experts here. And sometimes... If you have a completely obstinate customer that, that just won't listen to you, I mean, they're not going to be happy at the end of the day. Our job is to make them happy. So we have to, I mean, we've walked away from jobs before when a customer insisted, I'm, I want piece X, Y, and Z from this manufacturer and X, Y, and Z from that manufacturer just absolutely will not work in their space or it would work, but not how they're expecting it to. You know, we, we try to educate them on, on some things, but we've walked away from business that, that, 
frankly, I mean, everybody, nobody wants to walk away from business, but we've walked away from business instead of selling them something that, you know, at the end of the day, they're not going to say, oh, gee, I screwed up. I shouldn't have asked for that piece. They're going to say, wow, you're an idiot. You put in this horrible system or you're, you're incompetent. You don't know what you're doing. Or, or worse, that, that you know, all, all the stuff I read is a lie and, 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 and the technologies, like, like we said earlier, they blame the industry as opposed to blaming themselves or, or their decision making. So it, it's something you really have to look at. But I, Josh, I got to say, fantastic article. I, I, it, until we started talking about it here on the podcast, like I'd read this earlier in the week and was, I, I bookmarked it so that I could come back to it and refer to it. In, in future things, and I, I, I thought it was a fantastic article, yeah. and so it didn't occur to me that you wrote it until we were just talking about it. So I'm having a blonde week. Sorry about that. But, I'm, um, I'm, I'm turning uh, three shades of red here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the article. I, I, I had bookmarked it to discuss with, with my husband and, and some other folks, and so uh, and, and I still plan to do so. <laughs> but, but, but Don, great job. You're, you're a redhead. Yeah, well, I know. Okay. This Sorry. week. <laughs> All right, guys, real quickly. Uh, this isn't really a story. It's just something. Um, well, hey, I, I, I can be a proud papa for a second. Uh, Steve Greenblatt, a buddy of ours uh, from Control Concepts, came up with the idea, and went also with, with Rich Fragosa, uh, for a control based uh, podcast that we do. I think we're on episode three or four now. I think this uh, June would be four. And last month we did one about who owns the code, which it seemed. I've, I've said this before. Who owns the co- the control code is 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 as close to a religious uh, a religious discussion in AV as as, as I think we can get. Um, but you ha- people tend to have very very strong feelings one way or the other, and so we, we did a, a show with Steve and, and Mark Lavecchia, Rich Fergosa was there, also Troy Morgan uh, from Pantech Design. Uh, it was a very very good show because of the of the guys who did it, the guests and stuff. Uh, and Commercial Integrator, our, our buddy uh, Craig McCormick picked it up, did an article on it, and they are doing a webinar about who owns the code with Steve uh, Greenblatt from Control Concepts and also Troy Morgan. Uh, if you want, there's a link to it on, on the show page here, uh, but you can also go to Commercial Integrator, uh, uh, their website. The webinar the, or the webcast is Wednesday, June 19th at 2 Eastern, Wednesday, June 19th at 2 Eastern uh, for the Who Owns the Source Code debate and how it, it has changed. So check that out if you would. Uh, folks, that's all that's gonna, that's, that's all we got time for because um, everybody but Josh has to get ready for next week, yeah. um, and Josh has to go get re- fitted for a tux. So we'll, we'll kick it off with you, uh, Mr. Uh, you're not a newlywed. You're uh, newly, fian- engaged. newly engaged. So, uh, well, we don't know yet. So, oh, yes, you know. we do. How, how can people get a hold of you and find out whether or not uh, Nicole said yes? Uh, well, uh, when does this, when's the show get posted on Monday, right? Monday ish. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, people can keep their eyes and ears on my Twitter feed on, uh, on Monday, uh, for that little piece of news. And then, um, you can reach me at Stackhouse, S-T-A-C-K-H-O-U-S-E, just like it sounds, A-V at, uh, on Twitter, or you can go to my Tumblr blog, uh, which is stackhouseav.tumblr.com. Very good. Thank you, sir. Uh, also with us is Matt D. Scott, um, our webmaster extraordinaire, the man with the best hair in AV. How can people get a hold of you, sir? <laughs> uh, they can find me on Twitter at Omega Audio Video, at Matt D. Scott, or since you mentioned it, at Matt Scott's Hair, <laughs> or Facebook, or pretty much anything with Matt D. Scott is, is me, other than the couple of things that somehow slipped through the cracks. 
Okay. Uh, also is George Tucker, um, the uh, the uh, engineering coordinator for World Stage, and uh, and also uh, uh, one of the hosts for Infocom today, and a couple other things that we do here. Uh, how can people get a hold of you, sir? I uh, can be found on Twitter mostly at Tucker Twos. That's T U C K E R T U E S, and I write currently for Corporate Tech Decisions Magazine, a fabulous EH publication imprint. Yay! And one word of advice, Josh. Josh, one word of advice: buy, don't rent. You'll try. You'll 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 yes. You'll, a thousand yeah. rewards. I, talk I to the good men. Talk to I the good men at Hugo. <laughs> They'll take care of you. Mention All my right. name, you'll be fine. And uh, last but not least, Miss Av Dawn Dawn Mead uh, from NetAV. How can people get a hold of you, ma'am? You can get hold of me on Twitter at Av Dawn. You can find me on. Oh, gosh, all kinds of places online. Just look for AV Dawn or Dawn Mead. Um, the company is NetAV, net-av.com. And if you're coming to Infocom next week, come see me in my class. Come see me at the AV Nation booth. Come see me, you know, tweet me, and we'll meet up somewhere. I love meeting new people. And, and like I said, Infocom is all about relationships. So come see me, and we'll make our relationship happen. Yes, I'm um you know what don't follow me on twitter uh follow av nation and uh, all the stuff we do if you want it's td tim david albright but seriously uh go by the website uh, find us on twitter on facebook on google plus uh we have a group on linkedin and, and we put stuff other, other places as well but uh the website's probably the, the best place avnation.tv avnation.tv you'll find this podcast and others uh we have like we mentioned uh don and kelly perkins from Vadio just rebooted our av social very very excited about that uh george has got a couple three four five how many do you do now ten? Oh, uh, i don't know i've lost count all right um we've got something cooking very special with a gentleman uh by the name of chris netto maybe some of you have heard from have heard of him um, and also some projector uh, stuff coming down the line. So check out the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week.